Hey everyone, make sure to watch The Ringer's new live Game of Thrones reaction show, Talk the Thrones, this Sunday. Each week, Andy Greenwald, Chris Ryan, Mother of Dragons Mallory Rubin, and the man you're about to hear, our very own maester, Jason Concepcion, are coming to you live after the East Coast airings of Game of Thrones Season 7. Talk the Thrones will stream exclusively on Twitter and Periscope right after each episode ends, and can be found on The Ringer's Twitter handle, at Ringer. Andy, Chris, Mallory, and Jason will be reacting at the same time as you, contextualizing the events and explaining everything that just unfolded. Again, the show is called Talk the Thrones, and you can stream it live after the East Coast airings of Game of Thrones Season 7 on our Twitter and Periscope, at Ringer. What's up, Guardians, and welcome wow. to Achievement Oriented, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. My name is Ben Lindbergh, and I'm a writer for TheRinger.com, and on our fire team today in Los Angeles, my co-host, Jason Concepcion. Whoa, Jason. Let's go. And in Brooklyn, where he just locked the door behind him <laughs> to take sole possession of the podcast studio, returning to the podcast, Justin Charity, our colleague at The Ringer. Hello, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> That's Splatoon squid sounds. sounds. Very squid yeah. sound effects. Squid kid. Squid guys, kids. I've been gaming. Have wow. you guys been gaming? Have Too you guys much been gaming? gaming? I've been gaming. Been gaming. Games are good. I like gaming. I feel bad. <laughs> we haven't gamed a lot lately. This oh, is a gaming man. podcast. It's gaming getting summer. back to our roots. Let's yeah, game. so we are going to talk about two very different shooters in this first segment today. <laughs> We're going to talk about Splatoon 2, which is out this week on Switch, as well as Destiny 2, the beta for which is out this week on Xbox One and PC and PlayStation 4. And if you follow Achievement Pod on Twitter, maybe you got a free code. I don't know, but we've all been playing it. It runs through Sunday. We're going to talk about these two games. I think we could probably spend a whole episode talking yeah. about these two two games but we can't because in the second half of the episode jason and i are bringing you a tale of timeless love and aliens in it's grand wonderful. theft auto it is really wonderful it's love so. that transcends space time and various uh <laughs> social media platforms yeah so we don't want to box out that interview yeah. but we do want to get to these games we're going to start with splatoon and none of us played the first splatoon right because no. we skipped wii u just collectively as, as many as many did <laughs> <laughs> yeah. sorry nintendo but Splatoon 2 is out, we've been playing it, and we have thoughts, we have impressions, so we all agree that this is a strange game, <laughs> yes, <laughs> as our first exposure to Splatoon. Wait, can we can we talk about how good can we talk about how good just the basic concept of being like a dirtbag teen paintballing <laughs> urban is landscape it paint? is? Let me just ask you something. Like, uh, excuse me, I believe it's ink. Yeah, thank you very much. Okay, let's get this. Let's be accurate. Guys, <laughs> so this is a, a game basically where yeah you're you're playing as these squid kids, kids who can transform into squids when they are in ink, which Jason finds extremely disturbing. I find I it think, disconcerting. Like an existential crisis. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to like. It's just strange to me to like uh, be squirting this ink. I guess, and then to turn into like a squid and to swim through the ink is weird. It's just strange to me. <laughs> Continue, please. <laughs> I have a lot of concerns actually about the ink in this game vis-a-vis -vis the conservation of matter in how this is handled. Because right. like 
if you shoot one little blot of ink on the ground and say that your your ink tank is empty, you can refill your entire tank from a single blot of ink. Yeah, which there's makes definitely zero a sense physics. Yeah, a physics problem <laughs> at the heart of this game. But that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. I, I think that's all right because of mass and energy problem. It's yeah. probably more fun not to worry about how much ink you have. So. There's a single player campaign in this game, which is, from what I understand, much more extensive and meaty than the first games, which was kind of just like a learn the mechanics for multiplayer kind of thing. This is a a fully fledged single player campaign, which I have been enjoying quite a bit. The gameplay is kind of like if you took the flood from Super Mario Sunshine, the the water tank on your back, and you just made that the whole game and it's a shooter. It depends. There are a lot of different mechanics. You can spray ink on things and then turn into a squid and climb up them so there's a, an element of verticality to this you can squid through grates if you have sprayed them with ink and there's a lot of nintendo type creativity to this that comes out in single player and i don't know how much time you guys have spent with multiplayer i know jason you weren't able to i couldn't get connect in because yeah. yeah i spent some time in multiplayer and and i mostly enjoyed it but justin what are your uh, first impressions of splatoon 2 again this is like a symptom of the fact that uh <laughs> I'm still like in my gaming renaissance, but I'm like, I'm just so happy with like the basic concept of shooting, <laughs> shooting colored ink please. at yeah. walls and like swimming through it as a squid. I don't know. I feel very easy to please. And like, I, it's weird because like beyond that basic concept, are we going to talk? Like, can I spoil a bit of Splatoon 2 considering that it doesn't seem like a bad <laughs> Yeah, it has yeah, basically zero plot. Yeah, so, go ahead. Yeah. So, so I get to, I got to the, the, I've played as far as the first boss of splatoon 2 mm-hmm. and like for instance the first boss of the game you know keeping in mind that the theme is kind of like squids and like aquatic themes <laughs> and like food like seafood like you, you know you can like jump through onion rings in this game yeah, um, yeah. The, the first boss is a toaster oven <laughs> but it's like this incredibly designed menacing toaster oven and I was just so impressed <laughs> with, with the physical design and the fact that there is a character designer in the world and a, a game director in the world who had the idea of like, yeah, I will have a dirtbag squid teen right. uh, fight a six-sided toaster oven. <laughs> like, that's why I play Japanese video games. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, definitely... The game feels like it was designed by, like, the Steve Buscemi how do you do fellow kids meme to me? <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Like, how? Explain that. that. Because of like, just like the, like the opening tutorial that they, you go through and the, the way that the, oh, yeah. like There's the kids of, like, talk. Off the hook. It's all, yeah. The, and like, I the, love and, that though. I love and it. And just like the clothes you can buy. It's like, it's not, it's probably not particularly for me, but I, but I do like the bold, choices i'm not just i'm just not they're really bold choices the choices are incredibly bold let me tell you really bold unbelievably bold yeah i'm really enjoying this game there's uh the default multiplayer in the unranked playlist is called turf war and it's uh essentially your team just tries to spray ink on as much of the level as you can while the other team is trying to do the same thing. So you can spray ink on each other's ink placements. And so at the end of the round, it will just total up how much of the map is covered by each team's ink. And you don't really have a great sense of how the game is going until you see that final screen. So there's some suspense. And 
I really enjoyed this. I, I felt like a, a badass at the beginning of the game. Like at the beginning of a shooter round, there's always that weird moment where like everyone's sprinting for something like a weapon and you're all just hopping awkwardly or something. And in Splatoon, you all just start spraying your ink from the second it starts and there's just like a fountain coming from your team in all directions. And I like that, how it kicks off the round with some momentum. And I thought it was very suspenseful and the action was pretty satisfying like just as a pure shooter it's not the best you're gonna get in fact the next game that we might talk about is is probably the best you're gonna get on that level but i just felt like the combination of the shooting the atmosphere the weirdness the platforming elements all coming together for me in a very satisfying way I'm not going to stop playing it, but, you know. But can we talk? We have to stress. We, we we have to stress, though. I mean, I guess people who've played the first Platoon will know this, but, like, it's not just ink. Like, it's colored ink, and so many of the levels are, like, it's all, it's all even in the campaign, right? It's, like, you're fighting against these weird creatures that are also spraying ink, but the conflict is that they're spraying a different color of ink. And mm-hmm. so, so much of what you're doing is, like, it's, it's like a weird L.A. gang undertone. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's just such a colorful game and I can't get over the fact that it's a game about spraying ink at things. I don't know. It's just a very (laughs) carnal It is very carnal. Childish. Yeah. Like there's a there's a almost like a primal youthful energy about the game that's Mm -hmm. like it, you know, I mean, ostensibly there are rules. There are rules like I you know, I played through some of the camp, but it's also just like just hold the fucking trigger down and just spray everything. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but are there rules? What are the rules? I don't I haven't <laughs> at no point did anyone explain rules to me. It's just like hit these buttons to do this. Right. I don't yeah. know. It's a very free game. It I is a very, very extremely free. And I should say that we all did we all instantly disable the motion controls? Yes. Because <laughs> I definitely I still did. haven't. I'm trying to get used to it, but then uh, see I admire that because I, I felt like I was surrendering or I, I wasn't experiencing the game as it was meant right. to be experienced. Because by default, the motion controls are turned on and I had a really awkward adjustment to it where I felt almost like you know when you hand like a a dual joystick first person shooter to someone who's never done that before and they're kind of like using their two thumbs not in Mm. tandem so they'll like look up and then look to the side and it's very painful to watch but I kind of had a similar experience because when you had the motion controls turned on you still use both joysticks but you also tilt the controller up and down and I just it wasn't giving me the precision that I wanted and it was a little disorienting and so I I just reverted and I don't know if I'm missing something or not but I went back to my pro controller this seems like a game that would be a little tough with motion controls and with Joy-Con yeah for me I play a lot I go to my switch mostly when I've completely exhausted my physical body so I'm laying down (laughs) and it's just hard to do motion controls like on your back laying down Like it's you just end up just contorting yourself in these bizarre positions to try to shoot a fucking balloon. Um, So as soon as I could get that off, I turned it off. So shouts to you, Justin, for (laughs) sticking with it. Fighting the toaster is especially hard with motion controls. (laughs) It's like because of the shape of the toaster and you have to you're trying to do a lot of angling. And that's the that's where it gets frustrating. If you're trying to do like really precise angling, you'll like break your wrist. But I'm sticking with it. (laughs) Yeah. I have hand wraps from boxing, so I had to put those on. I'll be all right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I admire the commitment to the puzzles, like even to access the levels, you have to solve some puzzles just to find the entrances to those levels. I haven't spent enough time with the multiplayer to know how the 
balance works out perfectly, but it, it seems like they've made some improvements in that area from what I've read about the first game, and it's more fleshed out than that game was. Obviously, the online experience is never Nintendo's strength, right. but it seems like it's less of a weakness here. Although, if you want to do voice chat, I think you do still have to download an app and it stops working if you get a text, but the interface seems somewhat streamlined. I haven't spent enough time with the multiplayer yet to know about the balance issues, mm-hmm. but from what I've read, that is improved also and like there are certain surfaces that you can spray ink on and thereby replenish your ink supply and some that you can't so like on the higher levels of a splatoon 2 multiplayer map they will have the floors not be inkable so that you can't just camp up there you run out of ammo and you have to descend so there's some good balance stuff like that and and just based on the impressions i've seen like it's kind of a 1.5 more than a a 2.0 but Mm. that's okay because none of us played the first one so for us this is new and it's much more fleshed out than the original splatoon was and They've uh, added a lot more content and fixed some of the issues and just the the core mechanic of it is fun and addictive and I'm definitely going to keep playing it. I'm going to I'm going to keep going with it just because like I really I love my Switch. Mm-hmm. It's like the my favorite console maybe that I've ever owned. Um yeah. and so I'm just, I'll I'll keep going. I'm going to keep trying even though it's weird. <laughs> yeah, I think the weirdness is is a plus in yeah. this case. Yeah, it's like Jet Set Radio crossed with Super Mario Sunshine, yeah. crossed with the Unfinished Swan. I don't know. It's a weird jumble of things, but it's Nintendo and yeah. it feels good. <laughs> so let's move on to Destiny. Yes! You and your allies move as one. Three minutes. So. Justin, you are new to Destiny. Destiny Virgin. I'm sorry. Here. I'm sorry in, for you. In fact, in fact, as I <laughs> Destiny Two. Okay, so playing playing the beta, playing through. Yeah. The what do campaign, you think? I was like, I can't wait to do this podcast so that Ben and Jason can explain to me what what am I looking at here. <laughs> <laughs> so that, was, yeah. that was my response to all of it. <laughs> if you think it. playing the original uh, Destiny you... would give you any insight <laughs> yeah, into might... what is going on, <laughs> you're <have> to... wrong. <laughs> Forget this. Yeah, Destiny definitely is not always clear, right, right. either on the micro level or the macro level. This game has a pretty big hill to climb with me when it comes to getting me to care about the plot. I mean, in this demo, the traveler is being assaulted and the city is falling, and this just doesn't mean much to me. I never really felt like I was following what was happening in Destiny, or for that matter, most of its expansions. So I may be beyond caring about the story of Destiny 2, but this demo made me want to play it nonetheless. No, I don't even mean it in a level of, I don't mean it narratively. I mean it more so in a sense of like, oh man, I just have a lot of questions about the direction. I, I just have a lot of questions. <laughs> okay, well, I think- It's very overwhelming. I don't know. It's, it's, it's extremely like overwhelming. I think the thing is, the beta is not the best way to- experience what is to me the core destiny experience is cooperating with friends to accomplish missions whether those be raids or some of the lower level raids in order to gain stuff like it (laughs) destiny is it's like a neoliberal game it's just purely about like war (laughs) profiteering in space and getting cool shit getting better helmets getting better armor getting better weapons that's it and that's really what's fun about the game and i don't think this is the beta in particular is a great way to display that to the uninitiated but that's basically what the game is about it's about it's about acquiring loot Okay, because the first thing, other than my question, the first thing I thought of 
the thing I was thinking of when I was playing the beta was like the first 10 minutes of Revenge of the Sith. Yes. <laughs> For some reason, because it's like that sense of like spaceships, right. mountains, <laughs> yeah, everything. And it was just like, okay, this is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's extremely I, a lot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that you say it's overwhelming because I, I kind of felt the same thing, but I was, I was enjoying it. Like, I, I mean, I like the, the low budget two hour indie game as right. much as the next guy, but like when the huge big budget yeah, shooter man. with all the bells and whistles comes along i like diving into that too i was like sitting up by the screen pumping up the speakers my yeah. dog was scared wondering what was going on i was fully immersed i will say this like my my initial reaction and this is what i texted you last night ben was yeah, like i like this take are the graphics take. almost too good i mean i've been playing <laughs> overwatch which is a very bright bold colored almost cell shading kind of take on a video game shooter and obviously I've been playing a lot of Switch, which is just a, a completely different art design in it unto itself from Nintendo. And then this is just like, I was like almost overpowered by like the, the yeah. detail. <laughs> There's a part in, the, in the, the main solo mission part of the beta when you get outside the spaceship and you're running around. And it's like, man, do I need all this like environmental particles splashing into my helmet and, and, and obscuring my vision like this do i need do i need yeah. all the like the small particles flying off of the enemies that i'm shooting and like up into like it was a lot like, it took a lot to get used to i mean i love it when i first engaged my my super i'm a warlock so when i engaged my super ability the daybreak sword i was like wow i need to do this for like 20 minutes in slow motion just to like kind of get used to what i'm seeing like it's i'm seeing yeah. so much but it yeah it's 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 a AAA experience, and you absolutely feel all of that in the visuals. And this is just the beta. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like you look through a, a window, and yeah. it will distort the, the view, and you look at a puddle, and it will fully reflect everything, and your shadow is on the wall. And yeah, it's almost a visual overload and, and audio-visual overload, but I was kind of into that. For me, like Destiny was never really about the accumulation of stuff mm. and loot drops and better ammo and armor and weapons. It's just just comes down to the core bungee shooting, which will just bring me back time after time after time, no matter no matter what. Like I actually played through the beta campaign twice because the first time I discovered here's some free feedback for for Bungie from your beta. If you put your PS4 in sleep mode while you're playing this campaign mode, it will make you restart from scratch right. when you power up the console again, or at least it did for me. So I replayed the mission, which is like the vanilla Destiny experience, right. which was basically playing the same mission over and over and over again. And I didn't really care because just the, the shooting is so... I don't even know what it is, but it's so viscerally satisfying and kinetic. And I feel like the rumble is better integrated in Destiny than almost anything else. And and partially it's that in Bungie games, like you're often facing off against these energy weapons where the bolts travel very slowly so you can get out of the way and it becomes almost this acrobatic ballet of shooting and death like there's there's no cover system i mean you can hide behind something but there's no press x to to cover or anything you just kind of have to dodge and you actually can because you right. can see the projectiles coming and get out of the way and that just makes every encounter very satisfying i, I want to amend it, Destiny is about loot for me primarily, but the acquisition of that loot through raids is really, to me, that's the core of what's mm -hmm. best about Destiny. I mean, I can go into multiplayer endlessly, 
that's basically just about medicating my own neuroses. But like in, in terms of like a great experience, you know, the Vault of Glass and the Oryx Raid, those were like some of the best times I had in gaming, just going into a super complicated hours long raid with multiple stages with a bunch of other people that knew what they were doing and had their roles down and just going through that experience because it's it's like it really is like a team. I mean, there's moments that you just don't really experience in video games that much where it's like if one person is struggling with the platforming section, like these weird like personal like and emotional overtones where you're like, Jesus Christ, how long are we going to fucking wait for this guy? I mean, that kind of shit is really interesting to me. And then like the 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 feeling of when you finally beat a boss after all of this and like we work weird hours, so it's hard to coordinate with like five other people mm-hmm. in like real life to play a game. So like there's there's an immense feeling of accomplishment when you beat a raid in Destiny. People had to take off and you had to put it on the schedule and you had to like like tell people you couldn't do stuff for two hours and then you had to commit to it and then you had to go like forty five minutes over the time you were gonna do it. So that's really what's great about Destiny and you just can't deliver that there's no way to deliver that experience in a beta or even like a piece of that experience. Mm-hmm. Well, let me, okay. So I will say one more thing about Destiny sure. 2, which is, and take this for what you will. The beta to me feels like the, uh, you know, of the games that I've played in the past, I guess like almost a year at this point of, of getting back into video games. Yeah. This feels like the most video gamey thing. It's extremely <laughs> video gamey. Like it's yes. the most video game per video game (laughs) that I've video gamed. You know, the thing that's weird about it to me, and I think the thing that I think they're trying to improve with this iteration of the the title is make the classes matter because they really kind of don't. It's in mm. Destiny One. They didn't really matter with some of the secondary abilities, the class abilities. They're trying to make it so there's some more synergy with your team. Like you can lay down certain abilities that help your team, whether it be shields or, right. or damage boosts or health boosts, things of that nature. But it's not like Overwatch or Team Fortress where you pick a warlock and you're like, okay, I understand what my role is within this squad. It doesn't. It doesn't work like that, and I think that's an area that I'd like to see Destiny really improve upon, whether it's adding more classes and more class diversification, what have you. I just think that's that's an area that's really kind of weird about the game. It's just fuzzy. What did you yeah. guys play as? And I played as the Warlock. The Warlock. I played as a Titan. Yeah, that's the best class in the beta, it seems like. Mm-hmm. In Destiny 1, I, I played exclusively as a hunter, um, so I just wanted to switch it up. Yeah, hunters are nerfed now, yes. it seems like. And it's Yeah, there have been some changes to classes and weapon loadouts and, and cooldowns, which is one thing I noticed. I'm not like a obsessive, detailed Destiny player who necessarily notices all these things, but you could tell that abilities and grenades and, and specials, ultimates, recharged a lot more slowly. So that is a, a change stylistically, and it, it seemed to me like the double jump of the titan and it sounds like it was the same with the warlock is higher and floatier now and that felt a little strange to me because there's a point at the peak of your arc where you're just kind of hanging there suspended in space (laughs) and feel very vulnerable but i'm hoping that that's because there's more of a vertical component to the levels Mm. now and it seemed like that was the case in the campaign in the beta where you were descending and ascending and and that's something that destiny got better 
at just mixing up the level design as it went on because original Destiny was just very samey and cookie cutter and then in the later expansions and, and Taken King they got more creative. I don't normally play betas. It's pretty rare for me to play a beta just because I always feel like, well, I'll wait. You know, like yep. you guys perfect the game and deliver it to me in its perfect final form, <laughs> and then I will consume it. But I wanted to to make an exception for Destiny just because it's been a while and I've missed that action and have to participate in the zeitgeist. I'll be on there until Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, charity. You should play. Yeah. Uh, you should play Arms because of your boxing. Mm, you yeah. should. You but really you should. keep wavering on this. No, you... Well, I just my thing is the content really is is thin at this point. At this point, but you know, like the motion controls for that, it's a really I don't know. They're really engaging to me. I really enjoy it. But just pl- play it and tell me what you think. Because I'm really interested to know, like someone who who boxes thinks about the motion controls on arms. That's fascinating to me. Okay. Play that. We'll, cut, we'll have you back. Yeah. So thank you for joining us, Justin, in the studio today. You really had the the NPR voice going yeah, to listen, like it. Listen, at all times. <laughs> Number one. Sun never sets. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Always a pleasure, Justin. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. All right. We will be right back with the sweetest romance story since Jason meets his switch. We'll be bringing you aliens and love and team guru of Grand Theft Auto V. We are very excited about this next segment. We are talking to two-fifths of Team Guru, a group of Grand Theft Auto V alien hunters. Their names are Kai and Grams. And not only have they found aliens recently, but they have also found love through Grand Theft Auto. (laughs) We are so happy for them. We have so much to congratulate them on, not only finding aliens, but also getting married, which they did last week. So congratulations (laughs) to both of you on on both counts. Thank you. (laughs) So... I guess we can start with the aliens because we originally emailed you about the aliens because we, we didn't know that you had just met through Grand Theft Auto and gotten married and we were interested in the aliens, but now we really want to know about the love story. So let's let's get to the aliens first. We'll save the, the love for later. So tell us about Team Guru. What is Team Guru? How did you guys get involved with the Grand Theft Auto data mining or, or sifting community? So Team Guru is actually made up of probably three to four different broken Discord and YouTube channels and subreddits. And uh, back when the game was first released, there was obviously the infamous alien egg model found um, in the game files, not ever found in game. And so there's all these little small communities that are working on it, trying to to find these models and, and go through the scripts and try to find placement in game for these things. And this alien egg, and we just never found. Mm-hmm. And... It came out on PC, and then the Chiliad subreddit had a Discord, and so we migrated over to that Discord, and that's where I met Grams, and then we moved to another Discord, and that's where the Gurus started. And The Gurus basically are formed of two GTA forums yeah. veterans, which uh-huh. are Tadden and Tom. Mm-hmm. The rest are from basically, well, one's from the Trippy Discord, yeah. which is Kai, and the rest are... Uh, from the Chiliad sub discord Mm -hmm. so that's basically where everyone met and then formed and were you involved in this going back to like the search for bigfoot and all of that 
kind yeah. of mystery or yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> yeah we quite a few i don't think kai was there at the time but the rest of us were kind of in and out during the bigfoot beast thing you know have you heard of the cold walkers yes we were all tell, tell us about it yeah tell well us the cold walkers actually just got the name from someone called avasta um I think Zayma found the code. There was like a string which said he was wrong to start his hunt on Tuesday. Yeah. We found that and then it got changed to his quarry seemed familiar. Someone called Zayma joined. He started going through scripts. I was kind of AFK for quite some time around that time. And then the beast Bigfoot thing blew up. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Could you talk a little bit about the, the process of looking for stuff? So the game is released and then... Um, how do you go about scraping the code, looking for clues, and then how how do you move on from there once you find the evidence of you know alien jetpacks, UFOs, Bigfoot, etc.? Okay, well, the first we find it in the files, the models, YDRs, which are the dictionary troubles. Then the next step is to pull out the YSCs, which are scripts. We run the scripts, we get them decrypted, deflated, then run them through a decompiler, which outputs to a really badly decompiled code <laughs> which is really hard to read and then that's where you go from there it's basically finding files find physical evidence then try and find the physical evidence of them located in the script it is like three i think three four places how models props are handled y maps y types scripts so it's three yeah it's three mm -hmm. so you go through like a process of elimination if they're not in the y maps no y types no mention, they're in the scripts. They're not in the scripts, they're not used yet. Yep. That's pretty much it. Could, could you explain what the what the Y types and the Y scripts are? These scripts are, the, are basically the code of the game, how the scripts are loaded, and then it plays out like scripts, pretty much. Y types are the definitions of the items, Y maps, the general location, placements of said location, props. So it's, it's all of these need deflating, decrypting. Decompiled, refactored. Yeah. So is unearthing these things more about your programming expertise and, and software oh, development skills? Not. Or is it is, is it more of a like an endurance test, just having the, the patience to sift through all these files? Or what yeah. are the, the backgrounds or skills that are required to, to do this? Well, anyone can do what we do. You just need mm -hmm. to know how certain things are handled and how they're called. Yeah, so we have members from all walks of life. We've got software engineers, we have reverse engineers, we've got graphics engineers, graphic developers, we've got simple app developers, we have some people with no programming background um, or knowledge at all. It's just a matter, like you said, of, of endurance. You have to have the, the drive to sit down and read these scripts. I mean, there's over 800 scripts alone, and you have to just to be focused, to sit down, read the scripts, look for something that looks out of the, the ordinary, because that is usually where something strange is actually happening. Yeah, and most of the scripts, well, not most of the scripts, but I'd say a third of the scripts are over 100,000 lines long. Yeah, So probably, and you yeah. have to read all of them bit by bit, to, and then follow the functions globals throughout. Not only that, the functions will weave in and out of other scripts like spaghetti. So it, you're you're literally reading spaghetti code. You're following a function and you're just tracing it across three or more scripts and back and forth trying to figure, you know, 
trace it back to its origin or, or trace it back to find out what it does. Hmm. So how much of this code is actually actively doing something in the game and how much of it is just artifacts, either Easter eggs that are intentionally put there for people like you to find or just kind of leftovers that were part of projects that were started but never actually completed? Well, in the scripts, nearly all of it is used. Uh -huh. Pretty much all of it is used. Models... You have to cross-reference with the Y-maps and whatnot. I'd say, I think there's three, four mystery models that aren't used, such as Asteroid. Mm -hmm. There's a San Andreas mobile phone that isn't used. <laughs> Mainly, all the, all the scripts, all the scripts are used throughout. There's no debunk. There's nothing. Yeah, so it's pretty much everything is somewhere in the scripts, right? You can find a mention or find a call somewhere in the scripts. It's just if it's actually used during gameplay, and that's what we look for is for something to be used during gameplay. Everything in the scripts is used in mm -hmm. gameplay. It's whether or not they are, or where they are located. Where they are, yeah, you're yeah. right. Where it's they how, are. It's how they so I would say it's like a good 50%, right? It's 50% reading the scripts to find something, to give us like a lead, right? Like we find that, like we find the damaged UFO. That was the first thing that we found. So this DLC gun running update came out for GTA 5, came out at like 5 o'clock in the morning our time, 4 o'clock in the morning our time. Grams woke up at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, downloaded the <laughs> gun running update, and then immediately went straight for the files. And he finds the damaged UFO. So we knew, okay, now we have a damaged UFO that's just like the undamaged UFO that was in import-export files. So where is this damaged UFO? And then from there, it's 50% of us are going through files, and then 50% of us are actually testing things in-game. We're going to locations we're, because coordinates are, you know, in the scripts also. So we're going to coordinates. We're, you know, running missions. We're doing all this we can to try to, to find in-game what we're finding in files. Non-Love Edition, what has been the most exciting like day or discovery that you've found scraping these files, running through the game? Yeah, definitely finding the obfuscation, the the yes. hashes that were split, the cases that were split to a return. You had the case number and then the return number together. You would end up with alien prop damage ship. That was definitely... The guy woke up, I think, 11 a.m. And I was like, yep, this uh, she's found. Yeah where how the entire scene was handled and it's like whoa and they had obfuscated all of that within the code so they were taking two models taking those hashes and we're adding those together and then the outcome of those were you know like the alien egg so we that was big news for us when when we realized what we had that's when all of us just lit up yeah and what's actually really clever from rockstar is that the case names should have should have actually been changed for the for the models Luckily for me, I didn't have the model names inside the decompiler I was using, so we actually found the obfuscation pretty quick. Yeah, we found it really that was, uh... Yeah, that's a, that's a really fascinating aspect of this, because this, obviously, this kind of interaction with video games, hacking the code, or just decompiling code has been going on for years. Rockstar surely is aware of it. Have you seen their methods of obfuscation change over the years? Like, what are, what are they doing now that they weren't doing, say, in the Bigfoot days? Are they, are they... Well, right now, the obfuscation we just found is entirely brand new. Yeah, they did IVA, uh, IVA plus IVA equals hash. In the previous, the Bigfoot, I think all it was was unknowns, unknown natives that, was, that were calling the entire mission, so to speak. So uh, right now, they're using brand new methods admittedly we haven't managed to go through any other scripts due to this because the person who was releasing them before well we just released them 
hadn't released any online scripts for a good six months. Six months. Yeah, we've been without online scripts for almost six months now. And just using what has been released online as far as, you know, decompiled scripts. And we wanted to get a jump on it. We just, I don't know what it was. We just all kind of had a feeling like when the gun running DLC drops, we need to jump on it. And that's what we right. did. They released it. We jumped on it. We decompiled them ourselves. Grams replaced, hand replaced the natives for three or four, five days straight. So we would, you know, know what we were looking at. 2.7 million natives. Yeah, 2.7 oh million natives <laughs> hand replaced. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, so, I mean, Jason and I are, are sympathetic to this search for aliens. We've done podcasts yes. about how much we love the X-Files. Yeah. I have SETI at home running on my computer. So I'm I'm with you on this. But what is it about GTA and, and GTA 5 that lends itself to this endless search and this belief that there is something in there? Is it just that the game is so vast and there's just so much that really is there and people have discovered and and so you can convince yourself that there's more than meets the eye or is it because rockstar has actively encouraged this and they're doing things to incentivize people like you to look through this code and, and keep unearthing things yeah we keep getting the same remark from a lot of people that we kind of spoiled Rockstar's GTA 5, you know, alien mission. So we're kind of <laughs> sour about that because we don't want to spoil anything for anybody. But at the same time, that is what the basis of Grand Theft Auto is for me. It is those Easter eggs back, you know, the the heart inside of the, the Liberty statue. That was one of the very first Easter eggs that I ever saw in-game myself. Mm. And that's what kind of drove me to want to keep looking for all these Easter eggs. And then the jetpack, right? Like CJ's jetpack. The jetpack. That's yeah. somewhere <laughs> in the game. It has to be. How can there be? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so that's what drops it for for me anyway. I just like crushing dreams. Yeah, you do. I just like crushing dreams. That's all it pushes me. Yeah, I, I guess, I mean, some people might hear this and say, you know, there are games where you can just use a jetpack. <laughs> you can just equip a jetpack. We were just playing Destiny 2. There's a jetpack. It's not hidden or anything. So it might be confusing to some people, like, why devote years of your lives to trying to find this thing that may or may not be there? And if it is, would it actually be worth the, the search? But it's about the the search for the unknown, right? And, and yeah. about just trying to answer the question. It's not even necessarily how fun it would be to play with the jetpack when you have it or something it, it's more well, it, just about the challenge right exactly because you know in gun running we have the oppressor now so it's the jetpack bike so it's it's 10 times better than a jetpack could ever be in my opinion but the jetpack has to be in gta 5 there's also <laughs> there's also the aspect of learning too oh god it's it's uh it's a whole different kind of worms learning how to drive the presser? No, I'm oh. talking about the, I'm talking about the files. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Learning, learning everything about the game. It's it also helps me when someone wants to throw out a theory about time travel or karma theories, you know. Or left eye. Yeah, running zigzag in the prologue. Yeah, so we get to go in the files and then be like, nope, you're crazy. That doesn't happen. <laughs> Could you talk a little bit about your your backgrounds uh, with coding? I have no background with coding. So yeah, so Grams is probably one of the top gurus and has absolutely no history it. in programming. Believe it or not. Yeah. So, and then I'm a software engineer. I work for a privately funded software company. I think only a couple couple yeah. of the gurus don't have any um, coding, which is yeah. myself and Todd. 
Yeah. But we can still read. Yeah, you run and... with the best of us. So <laughs> I no programming required. No programming knowledge required. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about what you discovered that you have to run the gun running mission what six hundred times, and then you you activate this uh, this new addition to the game. So can you describe the steps? And and it has to be within certain hours in the game world, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we originally, um, because we're trying to work with some other communities to, to, you know, solve this mystery, solve the Chilean mystery, solve, you know, the Easter eggs behind GTA 5, we've started working with some other communities and we found a path and we, it kept leading back around to the same cases, to the same global. And we just kept running in sort of same functions. And then we had someone reach out to us and say, Hey, we figured out what, what's happening here. You have to do 600 sales in order to unlock this mission. So we forced the global first to make sure that we're on the right track, right? So we forced the global, we run the game, and the alien mission supply run happens. And so we're like, yeah, we've got it. Okay, we just now have to, to trigger it in-game organically. And so Tadden sits on his PS4 and for almost a week straight grinds out these 600 sales. And he's about down to like five left and it's mm-hmm. Grams and I and Tom and we're sitting in, you know, where we are discord server where we sit and talk about code and talk about game files. And we start rereading it and we noticed that the guy that we were working with had almost everything correct except for the very last step, which was the math, which was the most important part, which mm-hmm. was 600 supply runs, mm-hmm. not 600 sales. So Tadden had just wasted an entire week of grinding these sales <laughs> <No>. out. <laughs> um, and we're like, so we send him a message. So he's, you know, he's, we've got 300 people in our stream at this point watching, waiting for this alien mission to, to happen and nothing happens. And we're like, okay, we're stopping him now. So we send him a message very quickly. And we're like, Tadden, it's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. The math is wrong. We just read it. And he was like, wait, what? And so we send him everything that we've done. And we, and we, you know, Tom sent over like a very good broken down, like where all his code is commented out and he sends it over and he's like, can you recheck this? And I'm like, nope, he's right. I'm like, it's not going to happen so he cuts the stream short we sit around we go back to the code and we're like what did we miss we go back over it and like yep it's 100 percent 600 sales well there's also no ticker for supply runs keeps up with your sales but it does not keep up with your supply runs so we have to now guess how many supply runs have we even really ran in the game ourselves and then we need to do at least 600 on top of that at least 550 on top of it so that we can get to 600 and grams did that for you know three to four days he sat and he you know grinded out those supply runs over and over and over again we the last two days we had we live streamed for you know close to 12 hours a day just grinding them on live stream so that people could see this happen organically and naturally and we were getting pretty discouraged we um we ended up in a public lobby with some griefers who decided they wanted to like follow us around and kill us and blow us all up because we had about five people that's um, terrible yeah of of our own in that lobby at the time and so there's like an hour left of the stream and we're like nope we're going to switch lobbies because if if this happens we really don't want people there they're just going to go and shoot the ufo and and ruin it for everybody so we swap over to you know a a lobby we all rejoin up with grams and he we start running a couple more of the uh, supply runs and then all of a sudden i get up and i go outside to smoke a cigarette i leave my computer he's still sitting at his computer and he's like, I think I did it. And I'm like, what? And he was like, no, I think I did it. And we, I hear the thunder. And then everybody in the lobby are typing him. It's like, did he do it? Did he do it? Did he do it? Because mm-hmm. we're also like, so we're, you know, running the supply run. It's not happening for us. It's because it's between 
it's six. It's after your six hundredth supply run, yep. and between the time twenty one hundred and twenty three hundred, you have to run a supply run. So we run one. We don't hit it. So he's switching sessions to to leave and then rejoin the session so that he can do another supply run. So we can get like five supply yeah, runs. Five is much yeah. more five. In that time frame. Yeah. So when it happens, I like run back into the computer and I'm like, oh my God, no, you did it. So we type, he did it. And sure enough, I, finally, after, I don't know, 600 supply runs and then probably, I don't know what, 40 or 50 after that. 70. 70 after mm-hmm. that. Was, after 670 <laughs> supply runs, we triggered the alien UFO organically for the first time ever on PC. Yeah. <laughs> and what happened? We'll, we'll link to the video so people can see, but describe what was the payoff? The payoff was not worth it. No, because you know we also brought along so we had seen it so grams and i and, and several of the other gurus have seen this mission we've ran this same alien mission from we've studied it extensively you know how the aliens moved where the ufo was placed you know how the egg was how long you had because there's no timer we've you know the call you get from agent 14 before the supply run the call you get from agent 14 after the supply run so we had you know broken down and, and dissected and studied the supply mission so many times that for us it was very cool to have it you know happen organically but we had cheated and we had already seen it so we weren't as impressed with it but we brought along some some of the other gurus and other members of our discord server who had been helping grind these out who had not seen it before and they were absolutely excited to see it so it was really cool yeah they thought it was cool yeah <laughs> and so the ufo appears and what happens after that so you get the supply run uh, mini map marker on your map and you run to you know the spot where you're going to go steal these supplies mm-hmm. And if you are in a helicopter or a chopper or on your oppressor, your engine will die before you even get to the UFO. I think it's within 200 range. Is it 200? Yeah, it's 200 range. It, it in a helicopter, it's 500, I think. Yeah. It'll sit your vehicle down softly on the ground, but your engine cuts off. So then you have to walk up. Like the Marines that are around it, the, the cops that are around it, the scientists that are around it, they are alive. You walk up to them, you get within, what, 200 again? Uh, no, it's as, soon as, it's as soon as the engine dies is when the headshot, when the native occurs and everyone dies. Yeah, so it kills everyone around the, the crash site instantly. And you're left <laughs> seeing this glowing bright egg sitting in the middle of a crash tilted in the mud UFO. And um, you get to see Mulder and uh, Scully dead on the side. that's awesome that's worth it for me i think not having had to do any of the work that you did to get it so i I, I, do you feel like let me think so so all of this was or a lot of this was added in the update right so the things that you were searching for for the years before the update were not actually there the whole time does it does it feel like those years were fruitless or do you feel like in conducting that search for so long you forced rockstar to make this update and and that it might not have happened otherwise well if we hadn't have been looking in the past we would not have known what to look for how to handle looking through the scripts this time so it all Mm. kind of worked towards this i think because right now it seems that they're reusing a lot of the old assets like agent 14 has been in the game since Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. Mm-hmm. The Beast was referenced in the last in Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. So it seems like right now they're running low on funds, so they're just recycling everything they can. Mm. So 
it wouldn't surprise me if the legacy code for the jetpack will end up, you know, making a... <laughs> a debut. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they do. All right. So the truth really is out there. So <laughs> I guess we have now yes. gotten to the topic that we really yes. wanted to talk about, which is you two. And I feel like we just <laughs> overheard the first fight of your marriage talking about whether it was actually <laughs> worth it or not. <laughs> so <laughs> so when I first emailed you to come on the show, you didn't get back to me immediately. And now I know that it's because you were on your honeymoon. And so you were spending your honeymoon working on the gun running grinding yep. but yep. before we get to that let's let's go back to the beginning so you're from san antonio kai right and grams right. you're from the uk, UK and yeah. you met what on on reddit on a on a forum somewhere so we actually met on discord um okay so we had a mutual friend that was in this chilean mystery subreddit that was um dedicated to or a Discord that was dedicated to the Reddit. We had a mutual friend known as Vertigo, who um, is the Chilean Mythbuster on YouTube. And like he, I don't know what it was. We joke about this all the time because I don't know what it was, but there was like something, he like played Cupid. He like kept dropping these little hints at me. He was like, you need to go and talk to Grams. You need to go and talk to him. And so he's like, Grams is single all the time. So, you know, I had worked <laughs> with Grams. We didn't know why. We didn't know what it was, why he kept, you know, just, you know, he was so adamant about me going in and talking to Grams. And so finally I did. I went in, I joined that Discord and he introduced us and I started messaging him. And I, I was just, I wouldn't speak back. I was just like, okay, cool. Bye. Yeah, it was like very little interaction. And he got drunk one night and sent yeah. some really funny messages. And then the next morning I sent him screenshots of these messages and he had Butts' keyboard. <laughs> And he says, um, okay, well, you know, whatever. So I'm like, well, if that's the worst that you can throw at me is this shit from you drinking. Oh, sorry. Um, this okay. shit from you Feel drinking free. The, the night before, you know, if that's the worst you can do, then, you know, you know, bring it. So uh, we started talking more. I went to vacation in Mexico with a lot of my friends. I think we had like 14 of us there. And instead of walking on the beaches, I stayed in the hammock on the phone with Grams the entire vacation. Um, and that's what I kind of knew. I'm like, all right, no, I really like him. And then came home. We started talking nonstop still. We moved from like Discord to Twitter to Google to like real phone numbers. So, you know, we were using WhatsApp to, to yeah. call each other back and forth during the day. And a couple of months later, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to come out there and see you. And so um, I booked a ticket and flew out to the UK and spent, I think, 10 days out there with him. Didn't want to come home, did not want to leave him, absolutely fell in love with him. Come back home, it was a solid month, I think. And then he's like, nope, I'm coming to see you. So then he comes, you know, to the US to see me. We spend another week to 10 days together and are just inseparable. And then he goes home and then week one later. one oh, week yeah. later moves back and then, uh, or comes back. And then I think last week we went and got married. She thinks. It, oh, this, whatever. 
So I already told him I'm never going to remember the anniversary date, but that's okay. That's 17th. The 17th. Is, okay. So, so we, we get married and it's just, neither of us have any family in San Antonio. So it's just us. We have this little small, you know, we just go and we get our, you know, we just make it official. Right. And we come home and then he was like, oh, what do we get to do on our honeymoon? You know, what are we going to go do for our honeymoon? And I'm like, oh no, you've got gun running um, still <laughs> supply stills to go do. So that's our honeymoon for the night. And that's what we did. We sat at home on our computers on GTA five and grinded supply runs on our honeymoon. <laughs> what's, what's harder finding aliens in Grand Theft Auto or, or finding love in actual life? Aliens. Always <laughs> <laughs> aliens. I think that's a hopeful message for us all. <laughs> yeah. Well, so how apprehensive were you to the first time you met in person? Because there's a, a great book earlier this year, Blood Plagues and Endless Raids, about yeah. World of Warcraft. And we talked to the author. There's a, a chapter in that book about World of Warcraft romances and how sometimes you would seem to have this great online chemistry and then you'd meet in person and it just wouldn't be there, right? And you could never completely be totally sure until you met. And so you two are, you know, going from from Texas to the UK and you're invested in this relationship. And how apprehensive were you that you would just meet finally and it and it wouldn't click the way that you you thought it had? Oh, I was absolutely I was in complete disarray of, you know, my nerves were horribly shot. <laughs> and I, w we actually, we, I was very upfront with him and he was very upfront with me. And I had that conversation with him and he was like, Oh, well, what do you have to be nervous about? And I'm like, well, what if I get out there and I don't like you or you don't like me or, or, you know, something like, or we're not who we are at home. And he yeah. made this really good comment that will probably stick with me forever. He, he asks me, well, are you who you are? in person than you are when we're hanging out on Skype all day. And I'm like, uh -huh. well, yeah, that's me hanging out on Skype. He's like, then you have nothing to worry about. And that was that that was what I got off the plane remembering was like, you know, okay, just, you know, be normal, be who I am. And then, you know, everything will be fine. And, and it was. Yeah. One of the things I found fascinating about the story of your relationship is just kind of like the moving from different communication platforms, like as it became gradually uh, more of a real relationship. Could you describe like what like what is the boundary between okay we're on Discord and now we're gonna move to Twitter because it's like somewhat more real now I might actually call him like so what is like what is the thing that moves you <laughs> from one platform <laughs> to the next as your relationship grew. So the movement of platforms actually happened pretty quickly. And I think that was forced due to being in Mexico with very shitty Wi-Fi. Um, <laughs> we tried, we, we had only communicated on, oh my gosh. And I was leaving for Mexico the morning after you sent yeah. those screenshots, the, the messages that I sent. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So anyway, so we, you know, primarily had been on just Discord and that's great for calling and for, you know, sending messages, but it's, it relies very heavily on caching over the internet. So I, it got kind of spotty and then we had already followed each other on Twitter and we would like, you know, tweet like little mm -hmm. gifs to each other, you mm -hmm. know, randomly just to yep. be kind of funny. Um, and then we just moved our messaging onto there. And when it got to where I felt I was ready to, like, I wanted to call him and at least video call him or at least voice call him on another platform. I reached out and I said, Hey, do you have WhatsApp? And I got his phone number, um, that way. Yeah. That's mm. pretty much it. Yeah. I think it's more a safety thing. Mm -hmm. Um, 
switching between platforms and comfort and comfort and how has the the gta community reacted to your union was there any sort of celebration when you finally kind of graduated each level in your relationship did you try to keep it quiet or were you open about it with everyone throughout actually we weren't very open no we weren't yeah exactly we weren't open we were going to get married the day Tadden did his 600 sales uh, sales yeah Yeah, his 600 so we were gonna go and then of (laughs) course we spent quite a while grinding and then we were like well let's just do it here so we did it and all of a sudden people found out it's like why didn't why didn't you mention anything it's like well you know, there's a lot going on. Yeah, we didn't tell anybody. <laughs> but know. more importantly, we didn't want to take away from Tadden's 600th fucking sale. Like, we did not want to take away from that. So, yeah, we got married. But, oh, no, we're just going to – we were like – we talked about it, too. We were like, do we tell anybody? And I'm like, no, we'll just wait. We'll wait. He's like, yeah. So, we wait until Tadden's done. And then we send Tadden a message. We're like, Tadden, by the way, we're officially married now. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so everybody on Reddit has been super supportive. And, and they've congratulated us on everything everything they mean discord not no not just discord discord also obviously but yeah twitter and what did i say oh i said reddit didn't i yeah i don't i don't do reddit he does reddit i don't do reddit (laughs) (laughs) but yeah everyone everyone on discord um seems to seems to have been happy for us so that's a plus so we were the first official wedding on top of mount chiliad also yeah. So we actually, Tad tweeted Rockstar and said they've got married. They met through your game phones. Give them a jetpack as a wedding present. But <laughs> no word Rockstar yet. I mean, it might well, work. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was the Mount Chiliad ceremony like? Oh, it was beautiful. Yeah, we took a few pictures. <laughs> On oppressors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right well we'll have to to share some of those if you can send yeah, them our way too for for people who are listening well i love this story the whole time we've been talking to you we've been looking at a picture of you two embracing yeah. I'm, I'm going to assume it's you two embracing and uh so that has just added to the the heartwarmingness yeah. of this whole conversation how long did it take you to to move, are, you're in San Antonio full time now, Grims. I am, yes. I am. How long did it take you to pick up stakes and and decide to do that? Not very long. I mean, once you know what you want to do, you just do it. Is San Antonio very different from the UK? Oh yes. <laughs> very, very different. Before um, I moved over here, I thought it was you know a desert or something. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's a huge... Tumbleweeds. He thought like he thought it was desert and tumbleweeds here, and I'm like, oh no. No, no, no. It's like people seem to think Britain's full of teen crumpets. <laughs> <It's not. laughs> and would you recommend this to other people as a means of meeting a partner? Get involved in the GTA exploration community, or was this just a lucky random occurrence? I mean, like when you met and, and you must have been collaborating at all hours of the day and night, and you kind of had a, a project that you were both invested in, and I would think that would be a good way to break the ice and and find out about a person and their positive qualities yeah it, it was more happenstance than anything. i think so um, i do i wouldn't recommend long distance relationships they're so I, hard they're mm-hmm. difficult so if you can withstand that yeah then go ahead if, if not no i wouldn't recommend just it. do what makes you happy that's what it is i mean talking with grams literally made me happy working on the files with him literally made me happy. So that's what I wanted to Guys. do. And I was willing to make that work. And so it's <laughs> Talking to you has made us happy. 
<laughs> oh, so sweet. Well, well, this is great. Well, we're so happy that you two found each other and that you found aliens and that we found you. So you can yeah. find out more about Team Guru and, and look at all of their videos and their how-tos and tutorials at chiliadmystery.guru. Is there anything else either of you would like to plug, GTA-related or otherwise? There's many more things coming that haven't been announced. That's true. Yeah. Yes. Ooh, Stay tuned. Yes. <laughs> okay. That's all I have to say on that Seems like you've learned a lot from Rockstar <laughs> in teasing secrets. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we learn from the best. Those are the Rockstar are the biggest trolls. <laughs> <laughs> and dream crushers. Yeah, and dream crushers. So we have we have learned from the best. All right. Well, when you find the jetpack, I will say when, not if. We will have to have you back on to tell us how you finally did it. It's out there. We all want to believe. And we know that you are the people to find it. So congratulations again for everything that has happened to you recently. And, and thanks so much for coming on and, and sharing it with us. Yeah. yeah thanks for yeah, having thank us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. All right, that brings us to the end of today's episode. We love games, but we love the stories surrounding games just as much, if not more. So thanks again to Kai and Grams. If you want to see more about their story, including the pictures from their in-game wedding ceremony, follow us on Twitter at AchievementPod or join our Facebook discussion group at facebook.com slash groups slash Achievement Oriented. Again, one more reminder to watch Jason on Talk the Thrones on Sunday night after the East Coast airing of Game of Thrones. You can find the video pinned to the top of the Ringer's Twitter handle at Ringer. Thanks as always for listening. If you like the show, please do leave us a review and a rating on iTunes. It helps us spread the word. And we'll be back with more words next week when we're planning to talk about Pyre, the new game coming out from Supergiant, the makers of Bastion and Transistor. Talk to you then. 